It is Mother's Day today, and uh, a couple of months ago, I asked the men's ministry if they would like uh, to bring today's message, and I asked them if they would, if they could bring us and share with us how it is that God has blessed them through godly women. And boy, were they not only willing to do it, they were eager to do it, and they were off and running. And what they have for us this morning uh, is a tribute, a tribute to mothers, a tribute to godly women uh, from the bottom of their hearts. So come, be reminded with all of us that no matter what stage in life, no matter what we're going through, all of us can say, boy, I owe you, Mom. Please welcome Paul Wiggs and company this morning as they bring us God's message. When asked to put together something for our mothers, the men quickly realized there was just way too much information for one man to contain it by himself. So many of us got together and combined our stories and put together for you a presentation of our memories of our mothers and how much we owe them. This reminds me of uh, one of Irma Bombeck's columns that I really like. She tells of God and acting of creating mothers. And she says that on the day God created mothers, he had already worked long overtime. And an angel said to him, Lord, you sure seem to be spending a lot of time on this one. And the Lord turned and said, have you read the specs on this model? She's supposed to be completely washable, yet not plastic. She's to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. She's to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She's to have a lap that will disappear whenever she stands up. And she's to be able to function on black coffee and leftovers. And she's supposed to have six pair of hands. Six pair of hands, the angel said. Well, that's impossible. Well, it's not the six pair of hands that bother me, said the Lord. It's the three pair of eyes. She's supposed to have one pair she sees through closed doors so that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there? She already knows what they're doing in there. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things that she's not supposed to see, but she does. And then she has one pair right in the front that can look at a child that has just goofed up and communicate love and understanding without saying a word. It's too much, said the angel. You can't put that much work and that much in one model. Why don't you rest for a while and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, the Lord said. I'm close to creating something, something very much like myself. I've already come up with a model who can heal herself when she's sick and one who can feed a family of six with one pound of hamburger and one who can persuade a nine-year-old boy to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little closer and he said, She's too soft. Oh, but she is tough, said the Lord. You'd be surprised how much this mother can do. Well, can't she think, said the angel. Not only can she think, said the Lord, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek. This one has a leak. And I told you, you couldn't put that much in one model. That's not a leak, the Lord said. That's a tear. What are, what are tears for, asked the angel. Well, it's for joy, for sadness, for sorrow, for disappointment. 
you're a genius, said the angel. And the Lord said, oh, but I didn't put that one there. You know, as we share our stories with you and the character qualities of motherhood and women that we found throughout God's word, we're hope that you're blessed by it. This morning, we're hopeful that this blessing is for all the mothers who have set up nights with sick toddlers saying, it's okay, honey, mommy's here. This blessing is for mothers who gave birth to babies that they may never see again, and the mothers who took those babies forever to be their own children. This blessing is for those mothers who attended ball games and recitals and rehearsals and who said, I would not have done it any different for the world, and they meant it. This blessing is for the mothers of Zimbabwe, Iraq, Afghanistan, who fled in the night and can't find their children or can't find them to feed them. Creator God, what makes a good mother anyway? Is it patience, firmness, a soft lap? Or is it mothering what is at the heart of it all? It's that ache, achy feeling that she has when her children disappear down the street, walking to school alone for the very first time. The jolt that takes her from sleep to dread, from bed to crib at two in the morning, and puts her hand on the back of a sleeping baby. The need to flee from whatever she is or wherever she is at, to hug her child when she hears news of a school shooting or a fire or a car accident or a baby dying. Yes, it is so. So this blessing is for all the mothers who sat down with their children and explained all about making babies and for all those mothers who wanted to but just couldn't. This blessing is for all those mothers who yell at their children in the grocery store with frustration and despair. This blessing is for those mothers who show up with milk on their blouse and diapers in their purse. This blessing is for all the mothers who teach their sons to cook and their daughters to speak up with pride. This blessing is for mothers who put pinwheels and teddy bears and flowers on the children's graves. This blessing is for mothers whose children have gone astray, who haven't the words to reach them and yet never put them from their hearts. This blessing is for mothers stumbling through diaper changes and sleep deprivation. It's for mature mothers learning to let them go. For working mothers and stay-at-home mothers, single mothers and married mothers. And this blessing is for all of us so that we move beyond sentiment into action and support mothers and mothering persons in all their life-giving and life-nurturing roles. Amen. After the earthquake subsided in southwest China, the rescuers reached the ruins of a young woman's house. Through the cracks, they saw her body in a pose that was somewhat strange. Knelt on her knees like a person worshiping, her body was leaning forward and her hands were supporting something. The house had collapsed on top of her, delivering a fatal blow to her head and her back. The leader of the rescue team reached through a narrow gap in the debris, hoping that the woman would show signs of life. But her cold body confirmed his worst fear. Searching the space around the woman, the rescuer began to yell with excitement, there's a child. Working together, the team carefully removed the debris to reveal a three-month-old baby boy wrapped in a blanket 
sleeping peacefully beneath his mother's body. When the house was falling, the mother made the ultimate sacrifice for her son. Using her own body, she created a protective cocoon around her child. Upon opening the blanket, the medical examiner discovered a cell phone tucked inside with the baby boy. The message on the screen read, if you survive, remember that I love you. Reading the message, the rescue team began to weep. What an example of a mother's love for her child. I still remember your arms holding me and protecting me from the dangers of life. The many skinned knees and elbows you tenderly kissed to remind me that you were there for me. These images of you are the same images of love that I see in God. As I look back at my childhood, I can't help but think of all the formative years when you taught me the importance of personal accountability, faithfulness, forbearance, and self-reliance. All of these qualities helped my brothers and me climb through the ranks of Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, eventually earning us the highest scouting award. We owe our Eagle Scout awards to you, Mom. Looking back, I recognize just how much these character qualities you instilled in me have made me the young man I am today. No words can express how grateful I am that God blessed me with you as my mother. I promise I will always remember that you love me. Always remember that I love you too. As I grew up and my childhood ended, I went on to the next stage of my life and left home for college. While in college, I heard of a story that Billy Graham tells of a single parent who wanted her son to have a better life than she did and did everything in her power to give him the best education possible. To earn money for his education, she grew vegetables, she kept chickens, she took in washing, and she performed other menial jobs for a little extra money. She eventually saved up enough money to send him to university for four years. And at the end, when graduation day finally approached, the son gave his mother the invitation to attend. The mother's response was humble, but so true to form. I cannot go, she said, for I have nothing to wear but this plain cotton dress. But the son insisted and pleaded with his mother and finally convinced her to attend the ceremony in just her plain, white and, her plain cotton dress. The son tried to take her to sit with the parents of his wealthy classmates, but on this point, she firmly refused and decided to sit on the far left alone, where she could still get a view of the ceremony. The son was magna cum laude and was selected by his classmates to give the graduation speech. After he delivered his speech and he was handed a piece of paper and his medal, the crowd erupted with applause. During the celebration that immediately followed the speech, the son walked straight over to his mother without talking to anybody else, and he pinned his medal on her, saying, Mother, this belongs to you. You earned it. So, Mom, when I remember that story and think about all you sacrificed to give me a better life, I am so humbled. Your generosity has pierced my very soul. You've sacrificed so much and went without so often. As a boy, I didn't fully realize what it cost you to make a good life for us. The extra shifts you worked, the second jobs you took, 
the strict budget that you put yourself on so that we could survive. You are the most gracious person that I know, and the selflessness that you've shown me is from the heart of our God. As a single parent, you courageously face the many struggles and hardships that raising two boys entails. And although you struggle to make ends meet and pay the bills on time, you never once struggled me with showing me your love and sharing the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> I know that we both believe that it is the Holy Spirit alone that woos us to Christ, but you were definitely the, the vessel that God used to woo me to the cross. I am so blessed that you had the wisdom to boldly teach me about our God, who you told me from a young age is a father to the fatherless and a defender of the weak. It's my heart's desire that I pass on these qualities of generosity, courage, and wisdom to my little brother and to eventually my own children. Years after college, my mother's illness was diagnosed. My sister had a new baby and my brother had recently married his childhood sweetheart. So it fell on me, the 27-year-old unmarried middle child, to take care of her. My place had been with my mother, preparing her meals, helping her walk, taking her to the doctor, seeing to her medication, and reading the Bible together with her. She, she has went on to be with the Lord and I was alone. It's, it's funny how things happen. I, I, I remember sitting in the pew at my mom's funeral when I heard a door open and slam shut at the back of the church. I heard quick footsteps shuffle along the carpeted floor. An exasperated young woman stopped, stood in the aisle right next to me, looked around and then sat in the chair right next to me. Her eyes were brimming with tears and she began to sniffle. I'm late, she whispered. Uh, sometime later, she leaned over and quietly asked me, why do they keep referring to Mary as Margaret? And I said, because Margaret was her name, not Mary. No, she insisted, as several people glanced over at us whispering, her name is Mary, Mary Peters. Wait a second, isn't this the Lutheran church? I said, no, the Lutheran church is across the street. I think you're at the wrong funeral, miss. The solemnness of the occasion, mixed with the realization of that woman's mistake, bubbled up inside me and came out as laughter. I quickly leaned over, um, buried my face into my hands, and tried to play it off like it was sobbing, but it didn't work. <clears throat> sharp, sharp looks from the other mourners only made the situation that more hilarious. Finally, what it seemed like it took forever, but finally I collected myself, I took a deep breath, I sat up, only to notice that this woman was on the very verge of outbursting in laughter herself. She glanced around and I guess she decided that it was too late for an uneventful exit. So, so there we were, two complete strangers silently laughing in a funeral. Who, who does that? <clears throat> I don't know how we did it, but we finally gained control of ourselves and eventually made it through the rest of the service. I imagine mother would have been laughing too, and I'm sure she would have been. That, that afternoon began a lifelong journey for me and Rachel. 
the woman who attended the wrong funeral, but at the right time. A year after our meeting, we were married at a country church where she was the pastor's daughter. This time, we both arrived at the same church at the same time. <clears throat> Seemed more serious then than at the funeral, too. So, In my time of sorrow, God gave me laughter. In the place of loneliness, God gave me love. This past June, Rachel and I celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary. And whenever anyone ever asks us how we met, Rachel's quick to tell them, his mother and my aunt introduced us, and it was a match made in heaven. Mom, do you remember the advice that you gave me about finding the right girl? You told me to look for inner qualities. All those times you spoke of qualities such as honesty, loyalty, hopefulness, inner beauty, these were all qualities that you found in Dad. It was only as I got older that I realized that these are the very same qualities that Dad found and treasured in you. <clears throat> now I too, like Dad, and like you, have found those qualities in the most beautiful woman in the world. Thank you for reminding me to look for those in others. Now that our children have come into this world, I treasure the time that I have with them and to be able to share with them the same godly values that you instilled in me. Thank you, Mom. I owe you. Now that I'm older, I remember that when Mom asked, do you want some, a piece of advice? It was merely a formality. It didn't matter what your answer was, yes or no, you were going to get it anyway. Mom, even though you are no longer with us, your advice to our family has never been more needed than it is now. Thank you for always being there for the children and the grandchildren. All of us in the family raise up and bless your name for all that you brought to our lives. Your perseverance under the most difficult time was not lost on your children. And today, you still inspire us with your prudence and patience in life. After Dad went to be with the Lord, what a joy it was to have you here with us and the children, helping Tommy with his merit badges and Lisa with her inner beauty. You made such a contribution to all of our lives. I owe you so much for so many things. For feeding every lost dog that I dragged home at the end of a rope. For healing the pains of lost love and for drying the tears of childhood. And ironing out the problems of growing up for cementing together a family so it would stand the worst kinds of shocks and blows, for the entertainment that um, kept this household going through so many rough times, and for the wonderful productions at Christmas and at the Fourth of July and birthdays, and for making make-believe come true. And you did it on such a limited budget, and for laying down a good, strong foundation to build a life on and for teaching me that the most important thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. I'm reminded um, of mom's old apron. Uh, I don't think our kids nowadays know what an apron is, but the principal use for your apron, mom, was to protect your dress underneath. <laughs> 
but along with that, it served so much more. You see, it was you that defined what that apron was really for. Like when you used it as a holder to remove hot pans from the oven, and it was wonderful for drying our tears, and oftentimes you even used to clean out our dirty ears. <laughs> you even used it to bring in eggs from the chicken coop, and sometimes a the fussy chicks or the half-hatched eggs uh, to be finished in the warm oven. When company came over, your apron was an ideal hiding place for us shy kids. And when the weather was cold, you'd wrap it around your arms. I remember how you used to wipe up perspiration from your forehead after working at a long stretch at the hot stove. And you would carry all sorts of vegetables in from the garden. And after the peas had been shelled, you'd carry them out in that same apron. On those crisp fall days, you would use the apron to collect the apples that had fallen from that apple tree in the backyard. And when unexpected company drove up, we were constantly surprised at how much furniture could be dusted in a matter of seconds with that apron. <laughs> when dinner was ready, you just walked out on the porch, waved your apron, and the men knew it was time to come in for dinner. It will be a long time before someone invents something that will replace that old-time apron and serve so many purposes, nor the mother I knew so well and loved and respected so much, even as the time continues to draw me closer to being reunited with you again. I love you, Mom. Around 398 A.D., St. Augustine of Hippo said of his mother Monica, If I am your child, O God, it is because you gave me such a mother. You know, from ages past, our earliest church fathers and the patriarchs of our faith knew of the influence and guidance that God selected in his choice to make mothers in his own image and thereby pass on to us a measure of his love. We hope these lyrics and sentiments will be as precious to you, the women of West Bowles, as they have come to mean to all of us men. There's a book that mother left me that grows sweeter every day, and I've often read its pages since my mother's passed away. When I was just a baby boy, I would sit upon her knee and mother, well, well, she looked just like an angel when she read that book to me. Oh, how dear is Mother's Bible, with the covers worn and old. Mother's Bible, oh, so much sweeter and worth so much more to me than gold. And she told me, yes, she told me just before she went to sleep, if I read it and believed it, Jesus then my soul would keep. But now, well... Mother's gone to heaven, and sometimes I feel so sad. It's then I go get Mother's Bible, the one she left for me, and Dad. Through the years, there have been changes, but one change there'll never be, and it's that old and faded Bible that my mom had left for me. Sure, there's dust on Mother's Bible, and its cover worn with age, and though it's old and wrinkled, 
mom is there on every page. You see, the night the angels called her, mama called me to her side. And, and she handed me her Bible and she said, son, now let God be your guide. So I picked up mother's Bible and I pressed it to my heart. I held it very tight. Then I heard her softly whisper, son, I'll meet you on the other side. I kissed my mother's old Bible and I wiped away the dust. Oh, you'll never know until she's gone how much you'll miss your mother's love. Praise God for godly mothers, for godly women. Oh, praise the day, whether he had that conversation with the angel or not. Praise the day where he took time to also make them woman. Amen, men in particular. Yeah, 